This is Reimagine Law, a podcast about legal education and careers to help students navigate their career choices. Welcome to Reimagine Law. I'm delighted to be joined today by two colleagues, Lucy Dillon, with whom I worked when at Reed Smith. Lucy, an expert in legal innovation and knowledge, who was at Reed Smith until last year and is now an independent consultant. And also Michaela Hanzelova. Michaela is a third seat trainee at Reed Smith and also has a fascinating uh, career path and experiences to date, which we're going to be talking about all around this area of innovation. So, Lucy, great to have you with us today. Thanks, Nigel. It's really lovely to be uh, back in the room with you and, uh, and, of course, Michaela as well. Wonderful. And Michaela, lovely to have you on the call. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for inviting me. Um, it's lovely to be working with both of you. Fantastic. Well, first, first of all, um, I should say also, Michaela, of course, is a Queen Mary alumna as, as well. So great to have you have that perspective as well in, on Reimagine Law with us too. So great to have you linked. Um, so I think as we as we think about this whole area of um, how we integrate innovation into the career path and also the, the early career experiences, I think the reason that we, we thought it might be great to have a conversation and have it as one of the podcast episodes was the experience that, that you've had, Michaela, and, and Lucy, how that was shaped by the, by the firm uh, as well. I mean, Lucy, should we go back a few years, which may even predate you, Michaela, actually, in terms of when Lucy and I were both at the firm and we were building the Innovation Hub, which was just after you, or when you were joining, I think, from memory, Lucy. Do you just want to give a little bit of the background on this and almost how this leads us into Michaela's story? Absolutely. Thanks, Nigel. Yes. So I joined Reed Smith in 2015 when innovation was just becoming a buzzword in the legal profession. And um, the leaders of, uh, of uh, Reed Smith said to me, right, we know you've come with, you know, to, 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 to implement, you know, knowledge management uh, or rethink our knowledge management infrastructure. But actually, we'd really like you to think about innovation. And so um, sat down with Nigel because clearly this is all about people um, and you know our learning and development lead was a key part of of uh, implementing our, our innovation strategy and we wanted a real focus for the for the project and so we um, decided that we would create a space uh, in a very, and it was a very, very public space. We were really lucky with the leadership of the firm because they gave us a meeting room, which was very visible in our, uh, in our client reception area. So it was very clear that our innovation hub was something that we put right front and center for, for our clients. And uh, Nigel and I spent many a happy afternoon um, soft furnishing uh, shopping uh, for our for our hub. We wanted bright colours and 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 soft uh, you know soft furnishing, so it didn't look anything like a, a meeting room that, uh, that that people were were used to. Um, and it created a huge buzz around the around the office because people heard that this was that this was happening and, and clients began to start asking about it because they could see that this was happening close to our reception area and as we got close to launch I got comments like well is there going to be a slide and you know is there going to be a pool table and uh, what about the swing sadly we didn't have any of those 
But um, one of the things that we did have, which I'd love you to describe, Nigel, because it was your idea, um, we kept it pretty low tech. And the, one of the most successful elements that we implemented was, as I say, Nigel's idea. So uh, why don't uh, you just describe uh, our, our, our piece of magic for the, for the Innovation Hub? Well, uh, it, was, it was a bit of enlightenment from some of the advisors we had, Lucy, who said, don't try and fill the room with tech, but actually allow people to bring their stuff into the room, have very good Wi-Fi in there, but your tech otherwise always gets out of date immediately. And they said, but you know the best thing you can do? And this actually, I think, Lucy, was one of the most cost-effective things we actually did as part of the hub. They said, just put that special paint on the walls that turns it into an enormous whiteboard. So the whole, whole room becomes, in effect, a big whiteboard. And, and they said, it allows people to get their ideas on the wall and you can have real great brainstorms on there. You can have clients in there, partners in there. And, and that just, it just really transforms the place. It makes it, I mean, Michaela, I'd, I'd like you to speak about this because obviously you know the space really well as well. But I think what we were trying to do, Michaela, when, when Lucy and I were thinking about this was think, how could we make it into, to feel like a quite creative space where, you know, when you're in an office, you don't normally think, oh, I can write on the walls. So can we almost break some of the norms that almost the mindset you have and just think, hey, I can go in this space and I can be creative. I mean, you've been in the room a lot, Michaela. I don't know how it feels to you because you can do things like that in there. Um, to me, it was always a room I really looked forward to, and I may be jumping ahead of myself, but I remember that when I was in Reed Smith on the Queen Mary placement, I was specifically applying for the innovation seat because I wanted to be in the hub. Um, and I remember many afternoons I spent there with either Alex Smith, who used to be the innovation man manager at Reed Smith, or Adam Curphy, who was then the Innovation engage Engagement Manager, and we just spent hours drawing on the board and explaining things to each other and sort of making mental notes. Um, and definitely I always saw it as a great tool to get people to talk together and to work together, um, which I'm sure we'll get into that, but I think it's very important in innovation. Just to um, to round off that, um, because we've talked about the space and, of course, you know, you can't just create a room and then wait for the magic to happen. You have to orchestrate it, um, which is why we brought in um, Alex Smith, that, who Michaela just referenced as our innovation manager, because so much of um, what you do in, in any organization, but particularly when you're implementing something new, it's a huge change management initiative and you need somebody who's going to be dedicated to developing, coming up with ideas, managing the process. So uh, Nigel and I launched it and then handed it over to, uh, to Alex to, to lead. And we were absolutely delighted when we had the opportunity to have some Queen Mary students uh, apply for a seat uh, working with Alex in the Innovation Hub, again, to, to sort of bring that new way of thinking to, uh, to, to, uh, to the law students who were there. And Michaela was um, possibly the first, yes, I think you were the first um, to do that and actually set, a, set a, the bar very high for those that, uh, that followed. But that was sort of how we, how we came to have the innovation program, started with a room, then with, with you know, some really good staffing. Um, and it really made us think about how we need to really bring that way of thinking into the everyday life of the lawyers and, and the clients that they serve. 
So that's a really good point, Lucy and Michaela, because there are different audiences here, aren't there? You know, you've got the clients, we've got the, the firm, as you say, Lucy, because there was the space and then thinking about actually how we build a team around that as well. And then we also thought about, well, how do we actually make this, you know, part of the, the future generations thought process as well and experiences. So I guess, Lucy, we were trying to do a few different things as, as, as we developed this idea. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one thing leads to another. You start with one idea and then it and then it evolves and it's continued to do that. You know, and we're now six years in. So, uh, uh, you know, it's been very exciting. So, Michaela, given all that context, it would be great to hear just your perspective as you as you came into the firm, you had your placement year. Yeah. What were your thoughts as you began to experience this slightly different world, perhaps? Yeah, um, thank you for that question, Nigel. Um, so when I came to the firm, um, I, perhaps I should say I didn't start off in innovation. Um, before, I was very lucky to join Alex and Lucy um, in the innovation team and in the innovation hub. I spent about seven months in Raidsmith um, doing two different mini seeds, um, one in a traditional um, contentious uh, department and the other one in transactional department. And after that, after the end of that seven months, we had um, an opportunity to choose whether we wanted to stay where we were or whether we wanted to apply and help with business services in Reedsmith. Um, and at that point, because I have been in the firm for a couple of months, I knew that the innovation team existed. I knew that there was Lucy and then there was Alex Smith who and I might be super biased, but for me, it was a big name in legal innovation. Um, so I really wanted to join the team and see what they were doing and what, what I could learn. And I was very lucky to be able um, to join them. And um, so I spent one month in Raidsmith Innovation. And as you might probably say uh, from how this conversation has been going, it has been quite life-changing for me in terms of career and in terms of interests. I remember that I spent that month pretty much with Alex Smith um, having me to do a very simple contract automation, but also spending a lot of his time just to walk me through business cases, business cycles, how contract automation works, how important the data we have it in firm is and how important data management is. Um, so when I left Reedsmith after that placement, um, not only I had my first semi successful contract automation done, but also I had loads of ideas uh, about how innovation fits into the legal world and what Reedsmith is trying to do with having Alex as the innovation manager and Lucy as. Um, as his senior, say. Um, so I spent the whole summer sort of thinking about that and staying in touch with Alex. Um, and at the end of the summer, just as I joined my third year at Queen Mary, uh, well, final year um, at Queen Mary, Alex and Lucy very kindly offered me a part-time position in their team. Um, and what I did uh, for two and half years after that was just managing um, internal or in-house rates innovation matters and projects. Yeah, yeah, I think it'd be really interesting for listeners, um, Michaela, just to understand, you, say you mentioned um, contract automation, so obviously, and you mentioned data as well, and I know that's a big, 
a big thing, isn't it? You know, how structured is the data and therefore what can what can you do with that in innovation terms? But yeah, I do just think bringing it to life uh, by, with one or two little brief examples for the listeners would be super. Thank you. Uh, of course. Um, well, I can start with the contract automation um, that I've worked on um, or indeed any other contract automations that I've seen in the past three years in Reedsmith. Um, mainly they're going to concern contracts we work on quite often. Um, and this is one of the very important things Reedsmith innovation team does is that we engage with our lawyers or try to the best of our possibilities engage with the lawyers and with clients and see what are the pieces that we are working on the most what is very repetitive and what can be done more efficiently um, so so the contracts we try to automate were usually contracts that are done almost on a daily basis within the team and are quite simple and don't need that much negotiation or changing um, and are literally just contracts where you fill in the names and contact details. Or, or, you know, there might be more difficult ones where the automation process is a bit more difficult. But I think at this point, for many law firms, the innovation goal is not necessarily to try and bring in something completely disruptive, um, but to try to focus on the easy wins and on driving efficiency. Um, and I think this is very much connected to the data part. Um, I think we have seen this in the past couple of years, not only law firms, but businesses generally are quite bad keeping, with keeping up their data and with keeping them updated. So it's very important to make sure as a law firm or any other kind of business that if you have somebody of knowledge or somebody of data that you know where it is stored, that it's very sensibly and logically made um, and that you can use it for something else. For example, the databases we have informed many of the contract automations we've done um, and have been very useful in just generally saving time because if something is easy to find, the lawyers don't have to spend hours searching for it. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you very much, Bikeli. I mean, that, and, and that gives us a very, very clear insight. And I think there's something there, as you say, about how we're saving time. So it's about efficiency. It's about things that add value because we can deliver them more quickly to clients as well. I mean, I mean, Lucy, obviously, they, this was part of a, a broad, a broad strategy um, for you, because I remember in my time at the firm as well, but, you know, with the clients asking for different things and how clients saw value, I think was always evolving as well. So, you know, I remember those things where, you know, I remember you setting up things like the extra nets where, you know, there were shared areas working with clients. Yeah, I mean, is, what's, what was the broader context for you, Lucy, in this? I mean, I think it was all driven by clients, um, you know, wanting more for less and wanting more control, I think, over over their matters and so your your point around the the extra net is really well made because that gave us um a uh, a repository where we could put all the documents and i remember actually working with michaela when she was in her in her transactional seat um way back at uh, when she was doing her year out um a year a year her queen mary year we we worked on an extra net where, for a big transaction uh, an MA where we would have you know all the documents so the clients could go in 24 7 and see the updated status of of, of the documents um 
and the data point uh, which Michaela describes became really self-evident when we started to do a lot of repeat business and placing the documents on the extranet suddenly when you're doing you know 40 50 contracts a month and you're putting them on uh, an extranet you suddenly very quickly have a large collection of documents and you can start comparing them um and saying okay so who you know which counterparty is the quickest to sign you know which counterparty is giving us the best deals and suddenly having all that information in one place enables you to use that data and that was a sort of byproduct of the whole service we hadn't anticipated that that would be something that we would we would you know that we'd get value from but uh, but but we we did um and sort of just going back to sort of the career path and, and, and sort of Michaela coming in, and she's absolutely right. We had the huge benefit of having her over an extended period of time. And, you know, we were able to sort of think about how, you know, lawyers with those kind of skills, you know, should, should be, should, you know, something that we should institutionalize, if you like. So over a period of time we started bringing in in the in the united states reed smith is a, is a global law firm um, with a large footprint in in the us so we brought in what we called legal tech associates so these were associates that came into the firm you know at the beginning of their legal careers but a certain proportion of their time would be set aside to thinking about um, new ways of doing things. So they were they were obviously law graduates, but they would have had some interest or previous experience of of um, of, of technology. Um, uh, and you know that's something that we started in 2017, I think, and we've had two, three, four uh, associates joining each year with that background. And, and my ambition for the firm was that you know we would increase that number, and in due course. It would just be expected and everybody would be doing that um, and in the uk how we evolved it you know really from those early days with the queen mary um students doing a seat or a mini seat in 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 the innovation team we now have a innovation trainee seat so one of the four seats that the trainees do can be working in the innovation team and really you know taking a lot of what Michaela sort of put in place and, and, and moving that forward and getting that experience, which they can then use sort of within their groups. So, um, you know, educating the people around them as to the benefits of document automation or collaboration with clients or, you know, you know, closing new ways of closing transactions and, and so on. And, you know, again, it's about how with baby steps, you have more and more people who have that experience and exposure, and that sort of then just pervades the rest of uh, the rest of the practice. Um, and I, my own view is that is that's the way uh, lawyers of the future will, uh, you know, they will need that skill set. They won't need to code. They won't necessarily be expected to do all the automation. You know, I think Michaela's experience was really good. She did one, so she knows exactly the benefit um, of, of doing it, but I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't for a minute expect someone, you know, as they become uh, qualified to start automating their own documents. But, um, you know, we have we have teams of people who do that, um, or Reed Smith has teams of people who, who do that. So we have, a you know, legal technologists and, and legal engineers who do all that. But, you know, having our, our transactional or dispute orientated practitioners 
understanding the benefits of technology and being able to see um, how it can change and improve the way we deliver service to clients, I think is, is, is sort of where I think the Michaelas of the future will, will, will have their space. So that's fascinating, and thank you, and, and Michaela as well. So, and one thing you hinted at when you mentioned the US side, as well as, you know, say what was going on in the London offices, Lucy, and it takes me back to that point Richard Suskin made around, do you need to have done law first? As you say, before you go off on various career, career paths. And uh, I, I'm understanding from what, you, what you're saying there, Lucy, your thought is legal, legal knowledge, which is your pathway, Michaela, of course, you know, legal knowledge is a really good and important basis to build this upon, if I've understood correctly, Lucy, is that is, have I? I think, I think that's right, because what I'm envisaging is, you know, this is just an additional skill set for lawyers, for practice, for practicing lawyers. You know, there are, there's now a huge, you know, swathe of, of, of professionals who are going directly into legal technology. Um, and, you know, that's opened up and, and some lawyers are doing that, you know, they're, they're moving across. Um, and that's absolutely fantastic because it's all about being able to sort of be that bridge between the practicing lawyers and the and the technologists and the and the engineers. But I think you know, and and and, and you know, I, I I'm hoping that you know lots more people will do that, and and we will have you know lawyers who have practiced for a period of time moving into the business services teams. But I think at the moment, because we're at that point where there's an education and cultural change that needs to happen, I'm thinking more about how can we equip the, the you know, the practitioners, the client facing lawyers to, to sort of see the benefit of some of the technology that, that's, that's, ava that's available and, you know, ever increasing in a, a sophistication. No, that made, that makes sense to me. I mean, and Michaela, I was going to ask you two things. First of all, if there's anything you'd like to add to that thought that Lucy's just shared around the whole uh, skill set and early part of the pathway. But then also just yourself, Michaela, it's all looking ahead now with this experience, just how you see yourself, as you say, third seat trainee, looking looking ahead now with the experiences you've had and perhaps some of the benefits that you you feel have have come out of this for you so far. Obviously, your career is still ahead of you and, you know, very exciting. But, uh, but yeah, so I suppose, you know, the experiences you've had and, and just how you see things and, and what benefits that you think it's given you up to now, at least. Yeah, thank you. Um, I can start tackling the first question um, and I can only echo what Lucy just said. I think, and certainly I felt many times in the past few years that law is, and for very good reason, a very hierarchical um, area. Um, professional area, certainly. And that is for the reason that clients simply need to trust their advisors and need to know that the law we are advising on is correct. And when, when this is set in place, then the innovation offering that we are offering is mainly an add-on, although a much sought after add-on these times. Um, and therefore, I think from our perspective and just going back to what Lucy just said, innovation has always been more about, yes, developing and learning your skill set, but that wouldn't be necessarily the tech, uh, but rather learning how to listen and how, learning how to talk with your clients and learning how to actively think about how we as lawyers can effectively help our clients. And internally, it would be about understanding 
the benefit that we have in place, uh, while the tech that we have in place brings, and thinking about how we can improve processes in our teams as lawyers. Um, and for that reason, I think law firms before purchasing any new fancy tech need to really utilize and learn how to properly use what they already have in place. Um, but maybe um, added to that, lawyers also need time to think about all these things. And certainly in profession that is very much driven by billable hour, um, although this is hopefully slowly going away, um, firms must give lawyers that time um, if they truly want to promote innovation. And that's why I always felt that the rates midway of giving actual billable credit to lawyers to start their own innovation project has been incredibly helpful in getting people to think about all these things. Do you know what I was going to say as well, Mikaela? Just as you were saying that, I was thinking, as you say, they need time to think, time to be creative. So as you say, not so much, you know, the tech's a bit of an add-on and the benefits of that. So I was almost going back to the beginning where we said, give people permission to write on walls and just be creative. That, that's, what, that's what I was going to say. It took my thought back to that, Michaela. That's what I was thinking. Lucy, anything you're, you're, you'd like to add as well? No, I'm just so proud of Michaela because, of course, she said all the things that I should have said about, you know, it is all about the client. And it's about, you know, absolutely right, having permission to ask those questions um, and, you know, being open to asking questions you don't know the answer to. And, and lawyers are very bad at that because we're, we're trained to know all the answers. So, um, you know, th that's been quite enlightening, um, you know, when you're trying to establish how to solve a problem in a slightly different way it's 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 asking all those sort of sort of obvious questions but you don't quite know the answer to and uh, you know it's a it's a real skill and one that our the junior lawyers at Reed Smith are, are learning and and I would say Lucy that's a great mindset because in a way it's asking what you might call the brave questions the brave questions I don't know the answer to because as you say the risk of almost being an expert, being a professional, feeling, oh, I should know the answer to this. I'm with a client. I, I need to show expertise. And so, again, for all of you listening out there, beginning your careers, I think what Michaela and Lucy are saying here is that bravery and almost the uh, the habit of getting into, of asking questions where saying, oh, that's interesting. I, mean, I, thought, I wonder if the client's thought of that or I wonder what would happen if we tried that. And, and just getting to that habit, I say, all of you listening, throwing a great question into a meeting where you don't know the answer. So there's a challenge for you. We often come out with these with some actions for people. So perhaps plucking up courage to asking a question in a meeting that you don't know the answer to. Um, and I should preface that by saying, you know, one that it's acceptable for you not to know the answer to, but you know what I mean? It's, it's that kind of angle, isn't it? Of almost knowing the, uh, yeah, of knowing, uh, of knowing that there might be something out there that the clients just made me think about and I wonder what would I wonder if we thought about it that way what would what would happen yeah and uh, and, and Michaela then the second question we were just touching on there was the benefits and I mean we, we, we may have touched on some of this with terms of the questioning and the mindset and stuff but on your reflection on the last three four years or so what, what would you pick out? Um, I think definitely the sort of mindset change of trying to think about good and important question to ask um, has been very informative for me but also it needs to be said that I'm at the very beginning of my legal career and as a trainee you don't necessarily get to get to the point where you can talk with clients about their pain points and um, so I've been trying to take a bit of a different approach during my training contract and think about my teams as the clients um, that need help and innovation is very important internally as well 
as externally. Um, and I'm definitely the type of a trainee who, you know, someone who isn't necessarily being charitable towards me might label as lazy. Uh, but especially when I'm in the office late at night, I try to think about how things can be done more easily and more quickly. Um, not just for myself, but hopefully for the whole team. Um, and in my past two and a half seats, I'm very much enjoyed analysis and you know legal research things that you really need time for. And I think people should be able to spend more time on that rather than on the more manual tasks that could probably be done more easily. So yeah, I've been trying to think about how I can make life easier for me with regard to those tasks and spend more time on legal research and analysis. What a brilliant note for us to end on. That, that's fantastic. Thank you very much, Michaela. And, and Lucy, it's been a, been a complete pleasure. And, and we hope for all of you listening, that's been a really interesting insight, not just on something where, you know, we often hear about this legal technology, legal innovation, but just almost a, a case study there of almost uh, both from what Lucy and I were trying to do. And then Michaela coming into that ecosystem that we were trying to create. And as you say, what how your experience was, uh, Michaela, and actually and sort of almost the impact on in terms of how you've been thinking or whatever. So um, we'll, we'll do the show notes for, for this episode and I'll, I'll throw in a couple of actions. I think one of which will be about thinking about a challenging question or something like that, but I'll work on that and put that on the show notes as well. Um, but Michaela and Lucy, that's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being on uh, and sharing your thoughts with us. And um, Michaela, good luck in the rest of your, um, your seats, the uh, third seat and then the fourth seat. And uh, look forward to, to keeping in touch with you. And Lucy, a pleasure as always. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nigel. It's been absolutely great and lovely, as I say, to, to chat with uh, Michaela again. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for listening and uh, listen to another episode of Reimagined All Soon.